Welcome to Sermon q and I'm Pastor Craig. This is Pastor Michael. And yesterday, November 21st, 2021, we did a message on heaven and hell. It is a continuation of a series that we've been working on together. And out of that has come some pretty interesting questions. So we're here to deal with one of the questions today. Actually, Michael, you're here to deal with one Ready. of the questions today, which is, will miscarried and aborted babies be in heaven? And if so, what kind of bodies will they have? So what say you, Pastor What Michael? say you? Well, when the scriptures don't speak explicitly to something, usually there are implicit ideas that scripture has. Mm -hmm. So typically what we do, it's called a cumulative case argument. Rather than there being one verse that makes the point, there's a, a, a whole bunch of little things that when you put the information together, point in a singular direction. It seems that the cumulative case argument, I think from scripture, is that I have zero categories where... Unborn babies, miscarried babies, aborted babies are not eternally in heaven. In fact, uh, I would tell you that I think one of the greatest delights and surprises is that the new earth is going to be filled um, with numbers we cannot even imagine of every single um, miscarried, unborn, aborted baby that has ever died. So I, I am just – I cannot wait to see the magnitude of people in heaven. I think it would be one of the greatest acts of redemption, delights, joys, um, reconciliation uh, between parents who lost their children, parents who didn't even maybe even know they had a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. um, I can only imagine the redemption of a mom who went through an abortion and came to Christ and then mm -hmm. gets to even be redeemed and reconciled. I, in my brain, it's going to be one of the most delightful, um, redemptive experiences. I think mean, there's going to be a lot of crying and just amazement at how good God is. Um, a couple of reasons. So let's put some of the evidence together. Um, there's some Old Testament evidence. And one is David. David and Bathsheba, Bathsheba had a baby, um, committed adultery, and the Lord um, took that baby at a young age. And David said, he said, I will return to him. And his conviction is that when he died, he would meet this baby. Mm. Now that alone, um, does not necessarily mean that all babies go to be with God. But it's interesting that in David is he, this man who pens so much of, of the Old Testament, the Psalms, uh, so much of the um, uh, narratives of the Old Testament were written about his life, his kingship, et cetera, that uh, he, I take things a little more seriously when he says them, especially when he says them with a clearer head. So that to me is, I think, helpful. Uh, there's another passage of scripture in Romans one twenty. It says this, his invisible attributes namely his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. And Paul is writing to justify the wrath of God that is going to be poured out. And his idea is that everybody is without excuse. But what about the people who don't have the mental capabilities yet mm. to actually process his eternal power, divine nature, um, by looking at the creation of the world. So it's interesting that Paul makes a connection between the wrath of God being poured out um, and someone's ability to perceive. And so one of my convictions, even based on this, is that anybody with mental deficiencies that don't allow them to actually process the world appropriately, um, that there is a grace of God for those people, particularly unborn people um, who, have, who have died, whether through abortion or miscarriage, et cetera. Um, that alone doesn't actually give us the answer. But again, we're starting to build a cumulative case here. I think Jesus uh, has this unbelievable tenderness toward children. In fact, he blesses children without them even trusting in him. It's just by nature, the fact that they're children. Jesus in Matthew talks about a set of angels 
who are designated simply for children. And he says uh, they have access to the father in heaven and they go back and forth and they report. And it's very interesting. Now, that's not the notion that kids have guardian angels, but that there seems to be an angelic uh command, if you will, um, that has responsibility over children in this world. Very striking. Um, I, I'm, in, I'm, I'm regularly surprised at how Jesus sees children, is tender to them, um, and treats them categorically different than really any, any adults. I find that interesting. There's another, I think, piece that we put in here, which some people call the age of accountability. But when in the Old Testament, they were going into the promised land, mm-hmm. I think it was the age 20, um, age 20 and under, they weren't held responsible for the sins of their parents. Now, I'm not creating an age of accountability. But I do think it's interesting that these kids, these young people were not held responsible for the judgment of people who were older and knew better. I think that's an interesting distinction that, again, alone doesn't say anything. But when you start putting all the pieces of the puzzle together, I'm like, there seems to be a grace and a patience and a lack of judgment and wrath that God has for kids and young people. Yeah. And it's. Uh, it, the reason I'm chuckling a little yeah. bit is because the age of accountability, if it's 20, I know a lot of yeah. late teens that <laughs> know, are really right? glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> I can no do whatever doubt. I want and I'm not accountable. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> preach. So that, yeah. uh, let me also say, yeah. if you track down that same line, yeah. every passage in scripture where God talks about children is always with an affinity toward those kids. Yeah. It's always with a, a, a very big heart toward, especially the younger kids that don't have the ability to yeah. understand right from wrong yet. Yep. And um, and so that's all the way through scripture. In fact, mm-hmm. um, uh, there were laws in the Old Testament that if you hurt a mother that was carrying a child, you were responsible for both lives. Yeah. So God sees these infants, these uh, these uh, fetuses. Mm-hmm. God sees these children that has mm-hmm. have had life begin yep. um, as a, as a part of His family mm-hmm. in some way already. So I agree with you. I think. Yeah. There's a there's a cumulative understanding of God's heart toward children that applies mm. in this situation. Yeah, there. I think to warn some people, there are some bad ideas. I, I would just call them blatantly bad ideas, and I'll share a couple of them with you. Uh, there's an idea um, we call covenant babies, where um, some in, there's certain Christian traditions. They're definitely the minority who are going to say. If one of the parents is a believer, then the child will go to heaven when they die. If both are unbelievers, then probably the child will go to hell because they're born with with a sin nature. And the sin nature, uh, even though that baby hasn't sinned yet, they have the sin nature, which makes them guilty. Um, And so this comes from a passage in 1 Corinthians where it talks about the unbelieving spouse is Mm -hmm. sanctified and the children are. 1 Corinthians 7. Yeah. And um, but this is taken to a place where. Um, oh, yeah, if you're a Christian, then automatically your kids go to heaven. But if you're not, then jury's kind of out on that. Um, the Roman Catholic Church, uh, they have obviously, you know, like 14, 15, 1600 years of church tradition on this issue. And um, so for them, because you're born with what they call original sin, or we would just call this our sin nature, mm-hmm. um, their strong teaching is that you cannot be saved unless you are baptized with water. You have to be baptized, which is why baptism for babies is so important. It's also why a whole bunch of ideas have emerged around 
Catholics uh, whose babies have died in utero. So there are two kinds of ideas that they came up with. One was baptism of intent, which means if you intended to baptize them, then God will treat them as if. The other is if they call baptism of blood, meaning if you died unbaptized for the sake of Jesus, then you would it would be as if your blood itself baptized you. And then there's a whole uh, doctrine called limbo of the infants, and it's a speculative idea. Um, in Roman Catholicism, and it, will, it again, it has not been outright rejected, but it's this idea that babies aren't holy enough to go to heaven, but they're not bad enough to go to hell, so they go to this eternal place called limbo of the infants. Um, and some have surmised that they stay there forever. Some have surmised they go there until the resurrection. And is that <clears throat> purgatory? No, uh, no, it's different than purgatory. Okay. It's like a whole nother category. But okay. it, whereas official Catholic doctrine is going to teach purgatory, this is more of a of a theoretical Catholic doctrine that a whole bunch of church fathers um, that they would call church fathers believed in some version of this and ideated that, well, they weren't baptized, so they can't go to heaven. And you got to remember in Catholic doctrine, baptism is the key, water baptism. Mm -hmm. You must be baptized. If you don't have that, like most Catholics are going to tell you, can't promise you anything. Like, yeah, I can't, unless you intended to do it. But even that is, that's theoretical doctrine for them. That's not official doctrine. So you'll find a bunch of Catholics who teach you as long as you intended, but the, the actual Roman Catholic church cannot make right now, as far as I understand, does not make that official doctrine. So there are a lot of weird ideas about this. And I, I think I would be shocked. I think you said something every, I know you said something, you said something really interesting and good. If every time <laughs> God mentions children, his heart is toward them. Mm -hmm. I would be shocked if somehow when they die, mm -hmm. his heart is against them. Yeah. It does not make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. So the cumulative case for me is, is uh, that they're going to be there. And why do you think? I know we're, this is digging a little bit deeper, but mm -hmm. why do you think we don't have any direct uh, verses or direct instruction mm -hmm. as to what happens to children when they die? My my initial gut would say because it's so obvious that God's mercy and character and attitude towards the towards children is so clear mm. that to infer anything else would be um, strange. Mm. That'd be my initial gut. Um, I think, I, yeah. I don't mm. think it's so that we feel the pressure to get our children water baptized as infants. No, sure. no, no, yeah. no. I, I think a part of it is if <clears throat> in our fallenness, if we were to understand that uh, infants before they reach this age of accountability, if mm. that's what it is or something, the age of understanding perception of the world so that there's a God mm. and that kind of thing. If we, if uh, if they were guaranteed salvation, mm -hmm. eternity in heaven, people would probably kill them. Uh, I don't think our sinful nature could mm -hmm. process that properly. Yeah, and I think we'd we'd turn into a really bad version of yeah. ourselves. Yeah, I could imagine Christians justifying abortion to spare people the possibility of hell. I mean, would I could you, imagine. Would that. you damn your own soul to hell in order to save your children? Mm. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would. <laughs> a better man than I. <laughs> so many jokes about, well, I love God more than my kids, so sorry. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, that's the impossible so, question. Paul said it, though. He's on your team. He's like, if I could call yeah. myself a curse for the sake of my people, I would. Yeah. And uh, You probably would, too. Yeah. You I, just, I just took you off guard. I know. Question. Well, I've, I've thought about that quite a bit, and I'm like, well, to do that would be to love them more than I love my God. And I'm like, that's, you know, that's an, it's a conundrum wrapped in it an is. enigma that... Boggles my All of that to say, I think there's some things that God doesn't tell us in Scripture. This yeah. is one of them, but I think there's a lot more. Yeah. Uh, because simply we we wouldn't process it properly. Yeah, no, no, yeah. yeah. Amen. Well, I want to thank you for joining us. We have many, many more questions coming for you on Village Church Sermon Q&A. Thank you for joining us. Mm -hmm.